This is the Kavnis HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Kavnis. Hello, and welcome to the Kavnis HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash cavishr.com. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. Our guest today is Bobby McDonald. Bobby, you ready to be great today? You bet. Bobby is a founder and CEO of Parley Ideas. He was born and raised in Stofield, Ontario, and is the middle of three boys. He comes from three generations of Irish, Scottish, and Italian immigrants and entrepreneurs, most of, who came, most of whom came to Canada around the turn of the century. After finishing high school in rural Ontario, Bobby studied international management at McGill University. While at school, he spent time learning Mandarin and studying in China. Afterward, he started a clothing line, worked in various roles at CI Financial, and finally as a solution engineer for an enterprise software company called Resolver. His current venture, and the reason he's here with us today, Parley was born out of frustration with a lack of engaging dialogue in the classroom and a simple but powerful re- realization that the only way to build a better world is through meaningful conversation. Bob, you have, you've had like quite a background, a lot of doing a lot of great things. What's keeping you busy now? First of all, thanks. It's, it's great to be here, Jason. What's keeping me busy right now is, like I said it there, is a company called Parlay Ideas. So it's an education technology company that we've been... The idea is about seven, seven or eight years old now. The company itself is just over two years old, and I've been doing it for just about a year and a half full-time now. Bobby, on your LinkedIn, there's a quote that says, I want to live my life taking the risks all the time. What does this mean to you? What is the meaning of this? So sort of the end of that quote, it's a quote by a pretty famous author who recently passed away. His name is Christopher Hitchens. And the quote is, is I want to take the risk. I want to live my life uh, taking the risk all the time that I don't know anything like enough yet, that I haven't understood enough, that I don't know enough, that I'm always hungrily operating on the margins of potentially great harvest of future knowledge and wisdom. In, in essence, what that means to me is that sort of Lifelong learning is a thing and that the road to wisdom is just this accumulation of uh, your own understanding of your own limitations, but that there is real joy um, and a sense of meaning and purpose that comes from always feeling like you're on the edge of a new discovery for you personally, emotionally, intellectually, uh, whatever it relates to. Maintaining that curiosity, I think, is, is so important in life and and while it can be unsettling and often is unsettling, um, once you've sort of started to go down that path and realize the joys of that, there's no going back. It's always amazing how people just stop learning, have no interest in learning. They want to be their own box. They're comfortable all the time. And the only way you're going to grow up is to get uncomfortable and learn more things. So many people don't do that. Uh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think a big part of the reason why people don't do that is because they're not trained to do that. They're not, when they're younger, they're not necessarily encouraged to push the boundaries of their knowledge to challenge their own ideas, their peers' ideas, their teachers' ideas, their parents' ideas in a healthy and, and, and respectful way. Uh, so I think that self-reflection and, and sort of critical evaluation of the world around you is, is really important. And we need to teach that to young people early. Uh, and then I think more people will do it as that life of self-awareness and self-reflection just becomes habitual. 
Bobby, can you talk some of the background of Parlay, why you started the company, and what's your business for it? The company started in second-year university. So one of my closest friends, Mark, and I were looking around at the conversations, or lack thereof, that we were having at university. And I was studying international management to see the beginning, and he was studying politics. And we were looking around, and it's just it seemed like there was no conversation happening about what was going on in the world of international politics and the world of uh, international business. And it's not like we were studying theoretical physics. Like there was plenty to talk about. All you had to do was, you know, open a newspaper or go online. So it seemed to us like there was a, there's a real, there's something missing. There was a missed opportunity with respect to relating what we were learning in school to the events and ideas that were shaping our world. Of course, the fundamentals are still important, but as students, the question of why are we learning this kept coming up. And it wasn't just university, obviously. Obviously, it's a thing in high school as well. So uh, that was the first sort of eureka moment, so to speak. And then as time has gone on, and we've tried parlay in many different ways, we once hired a developer from Craigslist. True story. We met him in the Starbucks inside of a Chapters, which is a, a bookstore in uh, in Montreal where we were at school. We met him there once a week and he was building our first version of Parlay. We've also had, you know, WordPress sites and all this kind of stuff. So the, the tool has taken many different twists, the idea rather, has taken many different twists and turns over the years and has resurfaced and come back down, resurfaced and, and come back down uh, a number of times. As time has gone on and I thought about sort of my life and everything um, that matter, or a lot of the things rather that mattered to me, I realized that Parlay be- had become in my mind about so much more than, than just meaningful discussions in a class setting. And it, ha- it became apparent to me that conversation was honest, open, forthright conversation uh, where people are willing to challenge other each other's ideas and willing to have their own ideas challenged and, and not be personally attacked by that, but to evaluate ideas rather than the person who holds those ideas. The ability to do that is sort of the bedrock of our civilization, and it seemed to be missing in our society. So Parlay at its core seeks to do that, and our vision is to have to empower a billion minds through meaningful conversations. That's a great goal. Bobby, is there a certain grade level or like high school, junior high, elementary that probably is best suited for? So it's best suited for high school. Teachers as early as grades four, five, and six are using it in their classrooms. And obviously, I think that's fantastic. The sooner you can get students really owning the conversation that they're having, the better. But yeah, there's a lot of, it has a lot of demands on critical thinking and peer feedback and that kind of stuff. So high school is best. But like I said, uh, it's used earlier and it's a tool that you could use in law school or, you know, amongst PhDs very easily, wherever critical conversation can be had. Bobby, how hard or how easy has it been for you to convince educators to use your tool? I guess there's two, there's two challenges. The first is technical and the second is conceptual. The technical challenges have certainly been there. There's uh, teachers, especially when it comes to discussion, aren't used to using necessarily aren't used to using technology because discussion is, is often just a very sort of natural and organic thing. So the technical challenges have, have been have been real and, and we've learned a lot about, you know, great user experience design and how to really how to really hold people's hand through something. Not because they're not capable of figuring it out, but because they don't care about your tool until they care about it. And so you really have to hold their hand through it and make it painless and fast uh, in order for them to get to the point where they can get value out of what you've created. So we've definitely learned a lot on that front. And so there have been some, some technical hurdles and just 
the ease of onboarding and getting started and making it easy for them to derive value quickly. Conceptually, I would say all the teachers we've been working, most of the teachers we've been working with so far have been conceptually on board with what we're doing in terms of creating discussions that are more inclusive, that give everyone a voice, uh, that inspire more critical thinking, that encourage students to demonstrate inquiry, encourage peer feedback, and then generate meaningful data and metrics that show that engagement in unique ways, class level and an individual level. Teachers are, teachers and educators in general are very willing to adopt this kind of tool because they, they know that education necessarily must go in this direction and ultimately always has been going in this direction. So conceptually, it hasn't been a super big challenge. But like I said, the, the technology, you, you got to make it easy for them early. Bobby, on your website, there's a part that says preparing students for life. Then it goes to think critically for themselves, then communicate their ideas, then listen to understand others, and finally give and receive constructive feedback. From my point of view, like really no one's doing that. Not, kid, not, not kids, not people of age. How important is it to get people back to doing these four, to me, critical things that, like you said, what civilization should be doing? Yeah, absolutely. I think that in all aspects of life, whether you're in school, whether you are at work, whether you are dealing with family members, whatever it is, I think first and foremost, you have to learn to listen. You have to learn to and listen from the other person's perspective. Try to put yourself in their shoes, call it compassion, call it empathy, call it whatever you want. Really, really listen. And that's the first step to try to understand them. And then thinking for yourself is obviously to be aware, I'd say, of your own propensity for different biases and your propensity for thinking a certain way because our minds take shortcuts uh, because that's how we need to operate in the world. So be aware of those things and then just for yourself what, what it is that you think and then learning to communicate effectively, whether it's written or verbal. I think if you learn those skills, if you learn those fundamental things and you practice them and those become a part of the, the framework through which you interact with the world, then, then whatever it is that you do, uh, in terms of work, personal life, whatever it is, you'll be able to tackle anything. And I think that's super important, especially as we go into a world that's increasingly uncertain in terms of you know artificial intelligence, automation, all these different things, which really means anything rote, anything that doesn't require creativity or complex problem solving or critical thinking skills or the ability to communicate and empathize with humans, ultimately that can all be automated. And so build this toolkit and you have the the fundamentals down and you can apply them to anything and you can learn anything and you can do anything. And in a world where people are shifting jobs, like however many times that adaptability is probably the number one thing that you can, that you can develop. Bobby is probably a Canadian company, a North American company. Where are you, are your customers at right now? So we are a Canadian company founded in Toronto. We, we obviously operate out of Toronto as well here in Toronto called Ryerson DMZ. And we have customers in Toronto. A lot of customers in the greater Toronto area. Of course, we've been spending the last year and a half really just building the tool. Now we're getting out into the market. We have pilots and trial programs ongoing from schools in Korea, schools in the Middle East, schools in Switzerland, and, and of course in the States as well. So we are making our way around the globe. So as you've been in those different countries, how do like the different cultures and different rules each place play into what Parley does? Yeah, absolutely. I think that sort of the one nice thing about 
educators for the most part around the world is certainly with the schools we work with, which are oftentimes the sort of international independent schools right now. What we're seeing is that educators in general are people who, with whom these ideas that I'm talking about resonate because that's part of the reason why they became educators, if not the major reason why they became educators. Everywhere you go, people want to learn. And everywhere you go, human curiosity and desire to think critically and really explore things deeply, that's not unique to North America. So uh, different cultures around the world are at different stages of that and approach that in different ways. But I think really a student-driven learning experience uh, is very clearly the future it just takes different people, different amounts of time to get there. Bobby, next, talk about telling you your success in the past, what you learned from your, from your success, what we can learn from your success. My first business, I would say. My first business was in grade eight or grade seven, grade eight. It was, I spent an entire weekend one time with one of my closest friends at the time, learning how to make wallets out of nothing but duct tape. We found a simple tutorial online and then we made all these different versions and we messed it up a whole bunch of times. We went through like 10 rolls of duct tape. And then we brought a couple of them to school the next week, showed them to our friends. And then before we knew it, we had, you know, half the grade or more with duct tape wallets, which we would subsequently, it's like for each student or each one of our friends, we would sort of take an order and then we would find out what they liked, whether it was, I don't know, paintball or or whatever. And we would cut out little images and, and, and plaster them on the outside of the duct tape wallet to make them personalized. And so that was the first business. Didn't make a whole lot of money at it, obviously, but uh, it was an interesting creative outlet and, you know, created something from nothing and sold it to people because they found it to be valuable. The, the lessons I learned there was spend, don't be afraid to spend time on R&D. Make people feel like what you've created is, is really for them. Even if it is not perfectly customized, really like take them into account. Make them feel a sense of ownership and pride for having used or being a part of the community or whatever it is. And then I would say within that, find a way to create a healthy FOMO and a fear of missing out uh, through that community and give them when they have pride in something that they've bought or created, they're going to want to share it, give them the ability to do that. Uh, as well. And watch word of mouth be your best friend. Great story, Bobby. Cool. Next, now talk about a time that you failed, what you learned from this failure and what we can learn from this. Yeah, absolutely. So the first version of our, one of the discussion modules on Parlay, it's called the live round table. The first version of it, it was uh, basically all the kids in a table in like a round table format. They're having a face-to-face discussion, but on the tool in real time, students are also rating each other as they're speaking based on four or more different criteria and those criteria have a scale so it's almost like a real-time rubric and then there's comments that they can leave for their peers to see after we thought it was a great idea we launched it put it in the market and it was way too much way too fast for the students they were trying to leave comments and rate and understand what the points mean and the scale and listen to someone and think of something to say and so it was just like, it was, it was complete cognitive overload. And the lesson we learned on that was you have to really understand the nuances of the context where your user or customer or whatever is using your product. You have to understand what frame of mind they're in when they're using it. What are the other things that are going on in their life with that, within that specific activity that they're thinking about before you have to try to solve the problem. And you have to like really meet them halfway. So a lot of the times with creators... Obviously, we're no exception to this. You, f- you find that you, know, you have your hopes that, that how you want them to behave. And you try to impose your hopes for a, some sort of better behavior on, on the user and on the experience through the technology in the case of software. And you need to find a way to balance that with the reality of what the user 
can and will actually do. So it needs to be slightly aspirational where your hopes are there and they can get to those, but it can't be so stretched that it's overwhelming. You know, we spent a lot of time building something that we had to reel back in and we learned that. The good thing you learned learn early on the process too, but not later <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah, absolutely. Bobby, next talk about someone who's helping the past and how they helped you. In the last six months, it's been an ongoing thing. Uh, my girlfriend, Amanda, has really helped me sort of I'd understand the difference between being reflective uh, and self-critical and living with so much doubt that it's, it's dysfunctional. Um, so I think there's, there's a real fine line to be walked between sort of living a life of, of doubt, which I think is healthy and important, uh, as you know, this conversation is obviously unearthed, but also uh, having confidence in yourself and in your ability to, to execute. And so that, and even as, as a business leader, right, it's like you have to take in all this advice, much of the advice that you take in is going to be conflicting. And then based on all that, you have to find out what's really true to you or what makes sense to you and then act on it with confidence and formidably. I think that's a really challenging balance to find. And just honestly, through conversations, through a series of, of handwritten letters, et cetera, uh, she's, she's really helped me sort of figure that out which has been an immensely useful thing as I've on, undergone this journey into serious entrepreneurship. It's always great to have someone like that on your side to support you. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Bobby, tell us something about yourself that most people don't know. Your girlfriend knows this. Most your family knows, close friends, but most people who see you day-to-day know, don't know this about Bobby, Bobby McDonald. I'm intensely introverted, for lack of a better term. When I was a kid, like I would rather stay in my room and you know work on a giant book of Mensa puzzles or play Lego than go outside and play with other people. I've become more social, uh, sort of out of necessity, and I'm getting pretty good at it. it kind of started in you know, grade eight or nine, but it's still hard every day. And if I'm in a place that's it's really social for too long, or if I'm doing a pitch or a presentation and uh, there's too much engagement um, and it's too stimulating, I will always leave that environment feeling overwhelmed i'm a big time introvert too like me i can't do small talk like i don't care about the weather i don't care if you're doing good it's take care of you know and let me leave you know yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i mean there's there's a there's a time and a place for pleasantries but a close friend of mine once said to me if you can try to make every interaction that you have with another person the most authentic and real and unbelievable interaction that that person had that day, then you will make a meaningful, lasting impact on them. Uh, well, I don't always live by that. I found that to be an interesting approach. That's great advice. Bobby, understand you have a book to recommend to our listeners. Actually, that's funny. The friend who I just mentioned, his name is Mike, uh, his grandfather actually a book called The Manifesto of Entrepreneurial Democracies. A little book, it's like 150 pages. The print's pretty big, or less than 150 pages, I would say. It's written by this, my friend Mike's grandfather. The author's name is Alex Rabb. He was a Holocaust survivor. He's a real, like a true family man. He moved to Canada and started a nursery here uh, that became like a, a big, big company called The White Rose passed away a couple of years back. And after he passed away, I think it was my friend Mike's dad gave me his this, this little book called The Manifesto of Entrepreneurial Democracies. And I just read it for the first time, finally, a couple months back. And it really blew me away. If you go on Amazon, it's available. There's like zero reviews, et cetera, et cetera. But highly recommend it. Thank you. Bobby, I also understand you have something for our listeners today. Parlay is a tool for teachers in the classroom. And at current, that's kind of all we can give away because that's what we have. So if you are a teacher or you know one, email me and I'll give you my email after this. And I'll give you an account for a year. I will give away, I don't know, 10 or 15 or so to the first people that email, help you get set up. 
chat with you a bit, learn about how you're trying to incorporate discussions into your classroom. And yeah, you can have a free license for you. Thanks, Bobby. That's very valuable. So, Bobby, can you share your social media with the, for either yourself or your company so people can reach out to you? Yeah, personally, I'm not really on social media, but definitely the company is. At Parley Ideas is the Twitter handle and I guess Facebook as well. Uh, my email is bobby, B-O-B-B-Y, at parlayideas.com. And then the website is www.parlayideas.com. Bobby, we're coming at the end of our talk. Can you provide any last-minute awards or wisdom or advice for our listeners on any subject you want to talk about? Yeah, I was thinking about this a little while ago. Google the term punctuated equilibrium. It's a term from evolutionary biology that I learned in an anthropology class in like second year. Google how it applies to life and business and sort of growth mindset more generally. It's super interesting. And it's a framework of understanding how species or in this case, individuals evolve and grow that has given me solace and helped me understand myself a lot better. Thank you, Bobby. You know, Bobby, thank you for your time today. I know you're a busy person. Being an entrepreneur is like 24-7 endeavor. So I really Absolutely. appreciate your time today. To our guests, thank you for your time as well. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Kavnis HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit KavnisHR.com or connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook at Kavnis HR. Thanks again, and be great every day.